Welcome to the Cardiology Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Mark Judy, and this week we are just going to talk about the worst game that the Browns ah. put up yet. Um, we <laughs> get right into this. We're not going to waste a lot of time. Um, we're going to debrief it, talk about it, bang our heads against the wall about it, and then try to focus on what is turning out to be a key game in the season, not just for the Browns overall season, but for the division as well with uh, us traveling to Baltimore. So um, to get started on here, I just want to say hello. We are joined once again by Chris Burdett. Hi, Chris. How's it going, Mark? Oh, I am probably feeling much like you. I, I talked about at the end of the last episode when it was time to do the picks. I made the comment that I was feeling very pessimistic, but that I was not ready to be that guy. But I'll tell you what, I'm ready to be that guy now. I'm uh, this game, uh, you know, a thorough 38 to 15 beat down by the Patriots was just about the ugliest thing that I've seen in quite a while. I completely agree, um, and I, I have painstakingly gone through and I've put together a list of everything the Browns did correctly last week. So let me go over that with you. Oh my! That's it, Mark. Back to That's you. It. Hey, all right. Um, Kate York looked good. He made yeah. all his kicks. He made all his yeah. kicks. That was nice. All of his, ki- all of his kicks that were meaningless. Yes, he and made that, them all. Yeah, that was that was nice. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know it. It's hard to know where to start. I will say, you know, probably the the easiest things to put aside are to say it was the worst offensive performance yet. So we've been able every week going through, whether it's been winners or losses, we've been able to hang our hats on. Well, you know what? The offense still put up points. They're doing really well. Well, this, this week, the offense didn't show up. And we saw all of the weaknesses that can come into play with the offense. Uh, Jacoby Brissett um, didn't protect the ball. And that is the number one thing that he hangs his hat on. So regardless of the yards, regardless of throwing a touchdown pass, two interceptions and one in the second play of the game, mm-hmm. which, which just completely deflated everyone right off the get-go. Um, you know, the running game, you know, you can say we didn't run the ball enough, but you also have to take into consideration that we never had the lead in this game at all. Um, and we continued to be chasing it, especially in the second half. So, um, but we didn't run the ball as much as we should or as much as we're used to seeing. Um, the passing game, couple of decent um, outings for DPJ had a, had a good week. Um, he showed up with a couple big yeah, receptions. He did. Um, Cooper had a pretty, I guess, a mostly blah week, ex- except for the actual touchdown catch, which was a very nice catch. Um, and you know, again, he he shows why he was uh, worth it as a free agent. Um, but honestly, beyond that, you've you've got those guys. There was nobody else. Um, and Joku was, was okay, had a couple big plays, didn't make any mistakes. That's great. But we saw an offensive line get hurt. We saw Wyatt Teller go out. 
Um, and almost immediately, as soon as Wyatt Teller went out, I felt like the entire, that was part of the running game stopping. Well, I, I think part of what we're seeing too is, I mean, Brissett is a second tier quarterback for a reason. Yep. And everybody has now has film on him. There's no surprises with them. Um, you know, he only has limited skill set. And, and I feel like right now he's trying to play beyond that skill set uh, as opposed to within himself. Um, you know, uh, we faced arguably the best coach out there, which is Belichick. And he well, knew and the coach he, that drafted Brissett. So Brissett right. was drafted by Belichick. Right. So if anybody was going to know the shortcomings on top of the tape that it was going to be Belichick. Be, Go ahead, continue. Yeah, well, I think the other, uh, other part of that, too, is he knew that all he needed to do was start stop our running game and we were done. And sure enough, they, it worked. You know, I, th- I think the bigger thing for me is, you know, I keep waiting for our defense to show signs of life and the ability to stop the run. And if you look at it, we've now, our defense has now lost to Joe Flacco, Marcus Mariotti, and now Bailey Zappi, who is a fourth-round pick out of Western Kentucky last week. Well, I, it's, I, it's, it's inexcusable. Well, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's incredibly brutal. And, and you just look, you look at the defense and delp it. I don't understand. I don't know why we're playing him anymore. The reality is, even if he's that talented, he needs to get his head straight. So yeah. I, get, I get the one play where he slips and falls. Okay, uh, I'm not going to pretend that I don't trip over my own feet at least three times every week. Me um, too. But, but at the same token, you look at the tape and you watch it and he is consistently out of position. He slipped on one of the, that play, but I'm not sure he was in the right position to begin with. And right. then on one of the other long passes, he completely overcommitted, forgot that he was in man coverage, and then had to try to recover, and it was too late. So I, I don't know exactly what's going on with Delpit, but I but it needs to it needs to be solved quickly. And to be honest, I think it's I, I don't understand why we wouldn't just bring in Harrison to spell him for a while. Well, the, it, it, it almost feels like with him, like he's had so many injuries. He's never been able to get into a groove and build a skill set and build a comfort level. And now uh, it's almost like he's trying too hard when he is in because of the injuries. I'm not sure. I know I'm probably overanalyzing it, uh, but you know, I, I think he has skills, um, but he is certainly not in the groove. That's for sure. I think, I think he has skills too, but I think he is displaying essentially rookie mistakes yep. but but even worse rookie mistakes than what you would expect out of a player of his caliber coming out of college so disturbed by that um john johnson had a bad game um you know i don't know if you saw this but but he got called out on twitter and he decided to lash back out at people because the call out was oh God. that the defense wasn't showing effort and he basically um, told them to take his name out of their mouth is how he put it. But oh my. You, know, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm not going to get into effort because there's too, you know, there's too much to push on that. But, but what I will say is he was consistently out of position on Sunday. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a situation, you know, 
smarter people than me who watch tape can tell me whether he was out of position because somebody else screwed up or whether he did it himself. But I look at both of them. Both of our safeties are struggling. And so I don't understand why we don't have Harrison who played a bunch of games for us last year. I don't know why he's not helping them out. Like, why aren't we spelling them? And then what about DeAnthony Bell? This guy right. who, who made the team based off of his playmaking ability in the preseason. He has no other purpose to be on the team. That's why he made the team. So why aren't you at least letting him run around with his hair on fire for a couple plays just to do something, bring some kind of life into them. So, you know, Johnson slipped. And then the other big one was um, Newsom slipped and he slipped in a week where we couldn't afford it. So you had Emerson starting um, in place of Ward because Ward is still in concussion protocol. And mm-hmm. Emerson did a really strong job. He probably, if, if I had to nail it down, I would probably say he looked the best on the defensive field of anybody who played on Sunday. Well, the, the biggest heartbreaker for me is this. Going into this next game, I know we're going to get into it more later, but I mean, I have zero confidence in our defense improving. Because it didn't improve from the previous week to last week, did it? No, I. you know what? I think what we saw is that the defense, or at least the skill sets that are on the defense right now, only have the capability of adjusting to one thing. And they, they went all out to stop the run. And so that was better. You're being generous with the word better, though. <laughs> right. So it was pretty obvious that once they sold out to stop the run, they had nothing. They had... Right. They had no way to readjust. Their mindset was focused on stop the run, stop the run, stop the run, and they couldn't readjust. And, and I'm really, really getting the feeling, you know, I, I hear all the fire Joe Woods stuff. And I made the comment last week that I thought that if they lost this game, that he'd be gone. But I'm hearing all the press conferences and I'm hearing all the things that are being said but also the things that are not being said. And it sure sounds like this is a personnel problem that for whatever reason, these same guys who did well in this defense last year to end off the season are not able to compete this year. And I don't know what would be significantly different. The only thing I can think of is that it comes back down to actually the defensive line and how weak they are and how it affects everybody around them. Well, all all I know is my burning memory from last week's game is zero pressure as the Patriots walked the ball to the end zone multiple times. Yeah. So, I mean, heartbreaking. I mean, how many times did they just waltz in with nobody on them, no pressure, no whatever? So, so I'm sure, I'm sure that's part of it. But if they can waltz the ball in without somebody draped over them, that is also a schematic problem. I'm sorry, in my opinion. Well, I'm not sure because honestly, Elliot, Winfrey, Togiai, and Brian, the total amount of tackles, but just regular old tackles between the four of them, six. Uh, six. They're your defensive Ridiculous. line. So, so when we talk about stopping the run, 
okay, so it really wasn't the defensive line that was stopping the run. It was the right. of the linebackers who then don't have the skill sets to recover for the pass and for the play action. And so, um, heck, out of those four guys, one quarterback hit. Right. Boogie had one. The other guys didn't have anything. So I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that go wrong when you don't have defensive line. You So, so one, we had Miles Garrett out there. And once again, he, on the other side of him is anybody named not Clowney. Right. And so obviously whether, whether those players are going to be good in the future or not, I don't know. But what I do know is they, none of them are the steal of the draft. None of them are setting the world on fire. And, and so when Clowney's not in there, there is no one to take pressure off of Miles Garrett. And so we saw that Miles was able to get to the quarterback a couple times, but it took, everything he had and he was consistently double and triple teamed the entire game. So he's out when you, when you're able to pull off a triple team on a defensive end, obviously you don't have any respect for the interior lineman. You don't. A- absolutely. Absolutely not. You're absolutely right. Where, where I'm scr- scratching my head is okay. Pretty sure Donovan Sue is still out there. Why, why is a phone call not being made? I, you know what? We talked about this also a little bit last week. All I can think of is that there is more going on with him than maybe we, whether whether this is an issue of that he is not as healthy as people might think. Because while I'm gritting my teeth about the fact that we haven't brought him in, no one's brought him in. True. So True. so the question is: is it a health thing? Is it a contract thing? Is he expecting top-end dollars right. in the middle of a season? I don't know. I don't know what that would be, but I do I do feel like there's got to be more to that story because nobody is bringing him in. Um, right. it, we need the help. We need, we need something different to happen at the defensive line. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you want to do, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to you want to switch fronts. You want to go with a three man front. You want to figure something out. I don't know. I don't know how you you address such a big gaping hole because part of the problem then is when that hole is so big, you're putting so much pressure on the defensive ends to try to make your backfield pressure, and when you aren't getting quarterback pressure, you are relying on all of your defensive backs to cover. And what we saw is that they just don't have it. Three out of our four starters played their worst game of the year. uh, I I would love to see us go back to man coverage. Prevent does not work. It's a train wreck for us. It's shown to be, uh, seriously, I mean, it's a mess. But Um, that's that's the thing, though. I mean, I know we've been thinking about that for the last couple weeks, but there was – there were a lot of man, man-to-man snaps last weekend. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it was a lot more than you would imagine. And so the, the thing is, again, three out of the four guys turned in their worst week all at once. So right. I, don't care, I don't care what you're playing. If, if three of your four starting defensive backs are all running around with their heads up their back ends – 
there's really <laughs> nothing that you're going to accomplish. Right. You're, so, you're right. So I don't know whether it's a scheme thing. I don't, I don't know that that's it. I, I'm, you know, I want to see in right now I'm, I'm all for just seeing other people play. Like, like I said, I don't know. Get Harrison in there, get D'Anthony Bell in there. Let Emerson continue to start, figure out, bring in AJ Green to spend some time to spell Newsom a little bit, shake that room up because well, they, they need to get some kind of wake up call. And we need to see something out of that group. Well, funny that you say that, here's the other question, of course, which has been coming up is everybody has tapes on Brissett now. You could steal a game, maybe, by bringing in the guy with no tape, which is Dobbs. You know, is now the time to do that in a divisional game? Well, I, I don't think it's time to do it in a divisional game, especially when this one right now is has more at stake than even even that. I think I think it, it would it's fair to look at this game. Um, you know, I, I heard a lot of people talk about it on some other podcasts and some other conversations that this game is now a must win, not just because of you got to get off the schneid. Um, it is a must win because now it is increasingly looking like the only path out of the AFC North into the playoffs is, oh, it is. by winning the division. Oh, it the is. AFC it is. North is not what it was. So the wild card teams are probably not coming out of our division. So winning these games and winning these division games is huge. Now, do I think that maybe we should be thinking very hard about whether or not Dobbs can give us anything before we see the return of Deshaun Watson? I think we should be thinking hard about it, but this, this big divisional game where you're on the road and you really, really need to tie these things back up. I wasn't happy with how Brissett played, but I have to be honest, it was his first bad game. It was his first, you know, we'd, we'd been seeing a guy who wasn't necessarily overachieving because he is who he is, but he was achieving. And, well, let, and let, me take, let me take that as... Took a crap. Let me, let me take that as an, an extra step. I mean, based upon the way the defense played last week, if Deshaun Watson was playing last week, how confident are you we would have won? I would have been, it, would have been a hell, it would have been a hell of a hard time going. I mean, if you think about it as Deshaun Watson being back there, it would have been no different than his years playing in, in, with the Texans, right? So, right. so you saw years with the Texans where he's basically putting up you know, sky-high numbers, but they can't do anything. They can't win a game. I don't think Watson wins that game either. I, right. Maybe, maybe he doesn't turn the ball over. And maybe he hits a couple more of the long passes. But, you know, I kept hearing people say, well, you know, there were long passes open that Jacoby didn't hit. Well, each time there was a long pass that Jacoby didn't hit, who was out there? Anthony Schwartz. So, so can you really blame Jacoby Brissett no. for thinking, man, you know what? I don't know if that's a great play. Right. You know, now do I think he, he that's probably oversimplifying? Sure. But at the same token, um, I don't know. I don't know that Watson could have overcome what we saw on Sunday because it was it was a debacle on every level. Now that being said, one bright spot, I thought that uh Peoples Jones had a pretty good game. 
He did. He did. So in a game nice where it would be very easy to lose your focus and not be in the moment, um, he did show up big in a couple places. Um, I think at one point, you know, when I was texting with you guys during the game, I basically said, you know what? Chubb, Cooper, DPJ, and Ninjoku are yeah. the, only guys, the only guys who came to play. You're right. I'd probably throw in, I do think Martin Emerson had, for his first start in the NFL, had a pretty good game. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to carry everybody else. And so, um, but DPJ, yeah, I thought he had a really good game. He showed us some things, which, which was nice. Um, some, tough, some tough catchers for sure. Yeah. I, I continue to be uh, not understand if, if we're throwing the ball, why am I not seeing David Bell more? I don't, I don't know what that's about. That bothers me. Um, because you're in a game, you, you can, you can buy me into the idea that the second half came, you're behind, you're getting behind very quickly. You got to start throwing the ball. You got to score in bunches. So running the ball doesn't help you in those moments. I get that, but you drafted this kid. He's supposed to be great. He catches everything. Right. Where, where is he? Is he, is he that is he that bad at route running that he's out there and he's not getting open? Or is this a situation where we're not trusting these guys and we need to get them out there? I, I don't know, but I mean, and it, and it's, it's so interesting because, you know, we're so frustrated with how they're playing and how they're turning out. And the reality is after that debacle week, they're still a top five offense, right? They're top five offense in, in which is yards. crazy. They are a top seven offense in scoring. They're number one in rushing. And then when it goes sideways is they are a mediocre passing team. They're 22nd. It's all so, about Chubb. It's all about Chubb. It is, well, it is. It's, it's about Chubb. And, and granted, I do understand the idea that, again, that you can be in the game and you need to catch up quickly, and you need to score in bunches, and running time off the clock with running the ball is not the way to do it. Um, right. But he he had 12 rushes for 56 yards. So he almost was averaging five yards a carry. Now, I know mm -hmm. he had – that was tough That was tough yards because he, he broke a long one that kind of balanced that out. So he had about 11 rushes that were not all that great. But right. at the same token, that is – that's what you got, right? You have, you have this stud running back. That's why you hear people say you got to give him 20, 25 touches in a game because if you give them that many touches, they will get hot. They'll keep going. That's what they mean. I mean, right. he gets, he gets you, you expand that out. He gets 24 touches. He's got over 100 yards again. So, right. I mean, I don't, think, I don't think the running game was ineffectual. I think that everything got out of hand very quickly. And so yeah, got out of hand, there was nothing to, to pull it back. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I feel like I, so I watched the, the Stefanski press conferences pretty closely. Um, and I did get the impression that there are things that he might want to say that he's just not going to say. Um, I don't know if you've watched a lot of his press conferences during the week, but the, but they're all zoom. So he's like on the screen and yep. so they're just sending the questions. And so it's all about his body language 
and his, how he looks. So a lot of deep thoughts before answering a lot of, you know, winks, closing the eyes, that kind of stuff that get, you know, just the idea that he's, he's censoring himself. And that's probably an awesome way for a head coach to be. I just hope that when he's in the locker room, there's a little less of the censoring going on. I hope that there's a little bit more call out. He did seem when people asked him about Brissett's performance, he did seem without throwing Brissett under a bus or anything. I think he was very blunt about the idea that you simply can't turn the ball over. We needed those possessions. You can't turn the ball over. And Jacoby knows you can't turn the ball over. And so no, I, I, I think, I think he's a pro. I, I think he handles it very well. I really do. And I, I, in my heart, I believe there are much different things going on behind the scenes than we will ever see. And um, I think when it's a case like that where he's saying that simply Brissett can't turn it over, I mean, how can you not argue? I mean, how can you not admit that? You know what right. I mean? I mean, to, to not admit that means people go, are you stupid? You know, I mean, it, that's just factual and blatant. So I, yeah. I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes for sure. Well, um, so that was, that was this week. Um, and I think a lot of us are on edge. I, I do agree that, that this is a, I think this is a must win game. Um, I yep. don't feel very good about it, but I think that you, you know, if you don't win in Baltimore, you put yourself two games behind Baltimore. Um, in the division. And then on top of that, um, I just, this team needs, they need some momentum. They need to do something. They need to win. They need to get off this track. So, you know, that, that's a lot about what was going on with the Browns. So let's talk a little bit about what else was happening. Um, just in general during the week in the NFL. So one of the big things that happened is really the AFC North. So like we alluded to earlier, um, we weren't as lucky this week. So the only team that actually lost out of the AFC North was the Ravens, the Ravens right? Um, who got surprised. They, they seemed to have that game in hand. And then the Giants, who are just hot right now, yep. um, were able to come back and pull that out. Um, but, you know, the Bengals took it to the Saints. Um, they looked more like the Bengals that we've been waiting for all season. Um, and then the Steelers imp improbably were able to just beat the heck out of the Buccaneers with, with well, almost all with of Mitch. secondary hurt and out. So, so bravo to them. They pulled it together. Um, but I think that that's one of the things that's really setting up our week to be so tight is, is the fact that some of the other teams are waking up. And so it'll be interesting as we go into Baltimore, not only just for the health of our team, but to truly start getting the temperature of our division. Cause I, I, I feel like our division's a big mystery about who is really the best of the division and who's really going to be able to pull away. Right. Um, beyond that, I think some of the key things are, you know, the, the bills continue to look like the beasts of the AFC, um, a really good competitive game against Kansas city this week. 
um, where I think a lot of people were hoping that that the score would just stay under under 70 total points. Um, and here it turned out some defensive stops had to save that game and make sure that that Buffalo was able to pull that one out. So that was a really good game. Um, I also think that, um, you know, the NFC, the big story is the Giants, the Eagles, and the Vikings. They are pulling away, playing great ball. Um, you know, uh, some of them are on bye now, so they're getting a break. Um, so I, it, that'll be interesting. The, the NFC, it, it already seems like it's playing out. Um, and so it's going to be challenging for anybody else to pick up ground. Did you, did you see any big top headlines or anything out of the week? No, not really. I focus primarily on our division, quite frankly. Um, and the big thing for me was the fact that Mitch Trubisky came back in for Pittsburgh and won it, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Um, uh, the fact that Cincinnati beat New Orleans, okay, they are who they are. And the Ravens, well, we'll talk a lot about the Ravens, but the bottom line is the Ravens' entire offense is Lamar. But we'll get into that when we get into that breakdown for the next week's game. So, sure. sure. Yeah, I did. You're, you're right. The Pittsburgh, while they, they pulled off a win, they sure didn't make their quarterback situation any better. No, they, they did not. Yep. So that'll be, that'll be interesting how that continues to play out. Yep. Well, you know, I don't know that there's a whole lot of other big headlines. I hate to leave everybody just hanging on this particular segment, but the reality is I don't know that I focused a ton on much of anything else um, when I was trying to deal with the turd sandwich that was the Browns game. So, um, so that didn't really work out. So um, what we're going to do right now is uh, we are going to take a quick break. Um, So when we come back, we're going to talk about the next game. We're going to get into what we need to see against the Baltimore Ravens and how we see this all playing out. Um, But in the meantime, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast, and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom quality garage flooring to durable powder-coated wood garage cabinets, CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, you owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CB's has to offer. 
You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330-542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Well, welcome back to Cardiology, everybody. Now it's time to start thinking about the Baltimore Ravens. Um, always a tough matchup, always a game that all Browns fans want to win. We hate to see a loss to the Ravens as much as we hate to see a loss to the Steelers. Um, but, you know, we're limping into this game. There's no other way to put it. So we're going to have to start thinking about some of the keys to try to pull this out. What are some of the things that you're keeping an eye on, Chris, for this next important game? Well, number one is... As Lamar Jackson goes, so goes the Ravens. I mean, he's their quarterback. He is also their top running back as well. If you can stop him, you can stop them. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, let's see if our defense can have a singular focus and stop the one thing they need to stop to win this game. Sure. No, I agree. Um, I think what's interesting is if you go to look, the, the Ravens, pretty consistently rank behind us in offensive categories and defensive categories. The one place where they rank above us, where their strength lies, is in their rushing game. And, and like you said, that's Lamar Jackson. That's not running backs. So unfortunately, their strength of rushing the ball is going to line up against what has been until this past week. Uh, a pretty significant weakness for us. So I'm a little concerned. You're, you're right. Lamar Jackson is everything to their well, offense. And just, and just to be clear, statistically, um, this year he has 451 rushing yards. He's averaging 8.1 yards per rush. The next guy behind him is uh, Kenya Drake, with 184 and 5.9 average yards. So it's well, not even and, close. And Kenyon Drake's not really even playing that much. Right. So, I mean, it, it, so it, there's a wide gap. I think what I'm in the back of my mind, what I'm concerned about is yes, you have to stop Lamar Jackson. But for God's sake, if, if we turn J.K. Dobbins or Kenyon Drake into a 150 yard plus rusher mm. this week, I'm I'm just gonna want to put a drill to my head. I I think that that is yep. that is the fear. Um, in the passing attack, they have not been crisp passing. Now they're nope. trying to address that. They just signed Deshaun Jackson um, to their team, which gives them a deep 
ball threat, but I'm not sure that the deep ball was where they were having issues because um, Duvernay on their team has had a good start to his year. I think that Rashad Bateman is also a, a good young receiver. So I don't know that that's necessarily it. I, I think that Lamar Jackson is being asked to do a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that, that Lamar Jackson, when he's focused on it, can be a, a, a very good passer. But when he has to do everything, it's just not his first forte. It's not, it's not the first right. thing. I agree. Um, and so, you know, one of the things you're going to want to see is you're going to want to see some <laughs> improved secondary, which <laughs> I hate to hang, hang my hat waiting for that. But we're going to have to see improved secondary play so that he is stuck with running the ball and then you got to stop him. So this is a game where I'm really hoping – I'm hoping to see Deion Jones out there. Now, I don't know exactly. I'm not going to say that I think Deion Jones is going to suddenly set the world on fire and he's going to solve all our problems. But I think uh, JOK needs the help. I think that JOK is a very talented linebacker on our team and in our defense. But right now, he's being asked to play outside linebacker, middle linebacker, take care of the defensive line, cover for those mistakes. And oh, by the way, you can't count on the safeties. And I just think he's, I think he's stretched too thin. Um, And so I hope that you can bring on someone like a Deion Jones and let JOK be the spy for Lamar Jackson. Be the robber, sure. Yeah, and hopefully be enough of an athletic presence I think, I think what you say about their average rush for Jackson is incredibly true. I mean, when a guy drops back in the pocket and then can escape the way he can, I mean, he's getting five yards easy. And then beyond that is even, you know, is hard. So the fact that he's making over eight yards a rush doesn't surprise me too much. Um, but you gotta, you gotta keep him. You gotta keep those runs contained. Um, do you see anything else that you're going to, you know, you're going to try to key on or focus in on as we watch this game? Uh, I, I just want to see if Brissett can manage a game and not try too hard and not try and go outside of the skill set, you know? Um, he's forcing the ball a lot. That's what's led to all the turnovers. That has to end. Uh, and I'm not convinced it's going to. Right now, I'm, I'm very doubtful, uh, quite frankly. Last week was a bad week. And until they show me something, uh, you know, we'll see. No, he's put he's put together five bad quarters in a row. So the last quarter um, of our our previous loss, I think that interception was all on him. We were driving. He could have scored a touchdown. He could have run in a touchdown, but he forced the ball there. So I think that was one of his interceptions. It was completely on him. And then, yeah, he put together four horrible quarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this past week and well, you know, and, you know the deal. I mean, every every football game comes down to five plays. He keeps losing the wrong five plays, right? You know, well, yeah. I mean, you look at it right there. So if every game comes down to five plays, well, two of those five were turnovers from him, right? So that left three other plays. You've got Delpit who doesn't who trips and lets a touchdown in. You got John Johnson who doesn't come. <laughs> 
recover another touchdown. That's four plays. Um, yeah. By that point, the fifth play is irrelevant. Um, right. So, so the so the reality is, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, uh, Brissett getting back to the quarterback that we saw at the beginning of the year, yep. that that was very controlled, not necessarily lighting the world on fire, but controlled and taking advantage of what a defense gave him. I think we've got to have that. The, the other game manager, yeah, and the other thing, I mean. We're harping on it on our show. Everybody out there is harping it. For God's sake, you're a running team. So enough. Like, like let me let me come on the, the air next week and say, we gave the ball to Nick Chubb 25 times and he only got 30 yards. Let me worry about that next week. But give him the damn ball. Like, just do it. Just right. it. Just go with it. And, and yes, I do understand that you need the game to play out. So if the defense completely decides to take another vacation, then, then you're going to be stuck. But we've got to give him the ball because it sets up everybody. It sets up Kareem Hunt. I mean, those people who think Kareem Hunt wasn't much of a factor, well, you, he can't be a factor if, if – Chubb isn't already wearing down the team. It's just the way it is. And so, yes, I, I would agree with you. The Brissett playing within himself, getting back to truly running the ball, uh, you know, and, and when you do pass, continue to lean on the three guys who are really giving you effort. And that is first Cooper, then Njoku, and then hopefully – a continued progression for DPJ. Right. And, and if we can see that, then we, then we might have a chance. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm pessimistic about this game. I really am. I want, I want us to win. I, I desperately don't want to lose to either the Ravens or even just take on another loss. Um, but yeah, that it's a lot to ask of a team it's a lot to ask of a coaching staff to turn it completely around in a week, but you know what? You didn't. You didn't completely fall apart until one week. So get it back together. Hmm. I'm pessimistic too. You'll know that in my pick. <laughs> All right. Well, so we won't spoil that too much. Um, but before we get into that, we do need to go back to our resident pick pixologist. I would guess is what the term they, they like to throw around. <laughs> we are going to go out again remote to our friend Gary Marr, who's going to get us started on our picks. Gary, we haven't had much fun right now, so please, please share some good news with us. Uh, good news. Well, I don't know. Um, you know. I guess the best news is cab season starting. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully after this week, maybe the Browns will have some better news for us, and that's that's really what we're hoping for. Um, I know we don't have as many games this week to pick because uh, we have a divisional game in our own game. But what do you have for our first game of the week? Uh, first game of the week, we've got Atlanta versus Cincinnati. And Cincinnati six and a half point favorite, so kind of a big spread there. But uh, I think you're going to see that as a running theme this week with all the games. As I look at this one, it, it's an interesting one. Um, I think it's going to be closer than than the odds makers think. 
you know, Atlanta's got a got a pretty good running game. They've got a they got a strong defense. They had they get a lot of turnovers, which is a, which is big. And Cincinnati's still struggling offensively. Uh, they look like the better team still, I think. But uh, with their offensive struggles, I just think the six and a half points is too much. So I'm going to go with Atlanta on this one. Okay, I actually think that Cincinnati might be coming out of their funk. So I liked how they looked against New Orleans this past week. So I think I'm going to go the other way. I think I'm actually going to give away the points. Um, I'm thinking that Cincinnati is going to carry their momentum in this one. All right. Well, um, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, but the coin agrees with you. So there you go. Okay. All right. Let's, let's move on then to game number two this week. Game number two, a little bit more exciting matchup, I think. It's Pittsburgh versus Miami. Um, and Miami is seven and a half point favorites in this one. So, um, again, a lot of points here uh, as far as point spread goes. Uh, Miami got a big question mark there. You don't know if two is going to be in a quarterback or not. Um, and if he is, you know, what kind of condition he's going to be in, obviously. Uh, you know, is he going to be fragile or, or what? So, uh, some questions here for Miami at QB. Uh, obviously, Pittsburgh's got a lot more questions with their defense. Uh, they just have not been able to, to stop every, anybody, although they did pull out a win last week. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I think I think it's a, a tough matchup. But I think Miami, though, how is is a little bit overrated uh, just because they got off to that, that fast start. And again, seven and a half points is a lot of points. Uh, you're going to hear that as a recurring theme with me this week, I think. Um, and so I'm going to go with Pittsburgh on this. Um, so this time I am going to follow suit with you um, with Pittsburgh as well, because um, I was caught off guard and surprised by how well they played Tampa Bay. Now, I know Tampa Bay has been a revolving door on their offensive line, which has caused a lot of issues for them, keeps them from really looking like that offense that they were last season. But I just, I thought it was interesting that Pittsburgh was able to pull ahead and your key points about Miami, the quarterback situation, and that I really, I kind of agree with you. I think that there might be a little bit of an overrated quality to them based off of some of the performances right out of the gate. So um, it, it is, it's a lot of points to give them. So I'd rather take them for me. So I'm going to go Pittsburgh as well. Awesome. And yeah, this is a Brown show. Otherwise I'd get into a long discussion with you about Tampa Bay. There's a lot going on there. with <laughs> right. uh, So, uh, but we'll look at this one and the coin is going to go with us as well. It's going to, it goes with Pittsburgh too. Okay. All right. That takes us into um, before we get to our game, what what's the third game you've got for us? We got the Monday night game. It's always uh, well, usually an exciting game, but for some reason, again, Chicago is playing in a premier uh, slot this week. They they were in the Thursday night game. Now they're back on Monday night playing New England. New England is seven and a half point favorites uh, in this one. Um, make fun of Chicago, but New England's not looking that great either. So it's not not a matchup of titans by any means. Um, but you've got, you know, the Patriots defense, uh, which is always strong. You've still always got that Bill Belichick factor. To, you know, he's, uh, um, he's a great coach, and he's, he's going to figure out ways to beat you no matter what. Chicago, you know, they've got a strong running game. They, they've really been relying on that. Um, you know, their, uh, their passing game's a little bit weak, but, you know, New England doesn't have a strong running defense at this point in time, so that might work to Chicago's favor. So, again, 
I don't believe Chicago is going to win this one, but I don't think they're losing by seven and a half. So I'm going to take the points in Chicago. Yeah, this is, gosh, this is a hard one um, because I feel like Chicago is like a very poor replica of what has happening in Baltimore. So everything is riding on Justin Fields. And the reality is he's just not getting backed up with much of anything. Um, so the question just becomes whether or not they can stay close. Um, they're coming off of another poor showing. Um, like you said, I, I don't know how they, the, they managed all these, um, these prime time games. I think, I think we're going to see a lot more flexing in the future. Um, so in new England, you know, we just saw them, we saw their ability to pick on one particular part of the game, take it away and force a team to try to beat him another way. So um, I am going to be like really uber um, optimistic here, and I am going to take New England, and I'm going to give away those points. I think I, I trust their ability to adjust more than I trust where the Bears are right now. Well, uh, the coin agrees with you. It's going with New England as well. All right. So that brings us in to the question of the week. So let's talk about our Browns game coming up here. Yeah, Cleveland versus Baltimore. Uh, in it, it's an interesting game because you got two teams both uh, have been expected to be much better than they are right now. Should have much better records and both have underperformed. So the question is, you know, which which team is is better really? And Baltimore right now looks like the team that actually has got it a little more together than Cleveland. Uh, you got Lamar Jackson there. He's, he's performing, performing very, very well. Um, they seem to be hitting their stride. They seem to actually have been turning it around where Cleveland's going the other direction, I think, to me. So um, I think that that factors in their favor. Baltimore, I don't know if I mentioned, they're six and a half point favorites in this game. So the odds makers uh, think the same as well, that, that Baltimore's looking a little bit stronger than, than Cleveland. The, you know, the Browns, I, you know, I got to believe they're due for a stop. We have played the Baltimore fairly well in the past. Um, I, I'm hoping the defense is gonna gonna show up and start to figure it out a little bit. And I'm gonna complete my sweep of the week of taking all the underdogs, and I'm gonna take Cleveland and the points. Okay. All right. Well, good for you. Um, <laughs> I am not. I am. <laughs> I, I am gonna come into this one. You know, I, I came out of last week saying that I was pessimistic. I wasn't really sure whether I should be taking the Browns, and I went ahead and did it. Um, and I just, I am not seeing anything out of the Browns that tells me that they are going to beat a spread. Um, they haven't shown that at all. Um, and I keep thinking that we have yet to see the true Baltimore come alive. And I have a bad feeling that they're about to do it with us. Um, mm -hmm. So I am actually, um, I'm going to take Baltimore. I'm going to hang with the favorite and I'm going to give Cleveland the six and a half. And I hope that I'm coming on next week um, with complete pie on my face. <laughs> well, I hope so too. Not just for the fact that I want Cleveland to win, but I would like my pick to be right too. <laughs> uh the coin by the way agrees with me on this particular pick it's going with cleveland as well so all right well some good games uh a lot going on we'll have to see um hopefully some competitive games hopefully maybe 
um, we bring the odds makers back down to some um, decent numbers between teams. But um, looking at our scoreboard, um, both you and I had really good weeks last week. Both of us went three, three and two, nice. um, which was cool, which brought your um, current record to 15 and 17. So you're almost ready to break even, which um, in this game is pretty good, pretty solid. Um, so, uh, the coin took an O for five Ooh. last week, which was the first off week for the coin, much like our Browns completely, completely down the tubes there. And the coin is coming in at 12 and 20 and my three and two brought me up to 11 and 21. So I'm actually nipping at the heels of the coin. So hopefully, I put together another week. I won't mind if I'm only three and one as opposed to four and oh in my picks, but we'll see what happens here. Um, well, hopefully my, uh, you know, I like the spot I'm in. I'd like to get above 500, but hopefully my picking all the underdogs doesn't uh, bite me there, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could, it could be like the, like they said, this is gambling, man. It could be the big, the big swing for the fences. Right. All right, Gary. Well, thank you so much for taking time, calling in and spending some time with us. Um, I really appreciate it. And we will look forward to seeing the results of our efforts this coming week. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Gary, for another wonderful segment. Um, starting to do a little bit better with these picks. We're starting to figure some stuff out, but but always just a lot of fun just to get you on here and be able to talk some of this stuff. So um, we will look forward to talking to you again next week and then hopefully having you in uh, co-hosting as well. Um, Chris is getting tired of carrying me. So <laughs> I, I am not carrying you. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to the key part of our discussions tonight. And that is the concept of, what are the Browns going to do with this key game? All right, Chris, lay it on me. What are you, what are you seeing? Okay, I want to be wrong. Let me be very clear. I want to be wrong. Based upon what I saw last week, based upon the fact that this is a divisional game, I would not shock me if we lose 42 to 17. Mm. Mm. Is that what you're thinking? Because yeah, because they've shown me nothing that would tell me that wouldn't be the result. Ugh. It's a divisional game. An explosive offense. Our defense has done nothing. I hate to say it. And again, I hope and pray I'm wrong, but it wouldn't surprise me. I think we're going to get trashed this Sunday. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Please convince me otherwise. Well, I mean, everybody heard my pick against the spread. So, you know, here early in the week, uh, the Browns are six and a half point underdog. I, I can't see it. I honestly, I, I don't think, I think they're going to lose as well. Um, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative with what I think that Baltimore is going to do. I I'm looking around, uh, this to be about 27, 17. Um, you know, I just, I have said repeatedly when we've done the highlights, the, the week to week of the AFC North, I've said repeatedly that I'm waiting for Baltimore to show up. Mm -hmm. That they haven't put together the full game that I think they're capable of. 
And I just have a really bad feeling that they're about to do it on us. Um, sure. And so, you know, I'm, I would love, I'll be ecstatic if I have to come on here next week and I have to completely eat crow or, oh, ra please. or raven me, for that matter. Let me eat it with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I would love that. I don't yeah, think happen, but yeah, I would, I would love to see that, but they just, the, it's the team just seems so out of sorts and so bad right now. It's just really, really hard to have a lot of hope. And I know, you know, I'm the first person you guys have heard me talk about it multiple times. I keep pulling out that the offense is doing so much better than we ever thought they would do. Um, I mean, being in the top five, going into week seven. I don't know that we expected that out of our backup quarterback. I, you know, I was hoping for good things, but I wasn't expecting that. But the problem is that the continuous shooting ourselves in the foot in every other aspect of the game is just making it brutal. And, and yeah, we turned in a stinker last week. The offense was not good, but you know, when you go into a season and you expect the defense to be the stars and they can't even show up, mm -hmm. you know, what else is going to happen? Like, like if you're always going to have off weeks for any one of the different position groups, but if, if you're so consistently bad on one side of the ball, you just can't afford it. And the Browns um, saw, we saw that they couldn't afford it against the Patriots. And now I, I hope I hope to be wrong, but I but I feel like Me too. Me I feel too. like it's going to be very difficult for Kevin Stefanski and the coaches and the players to solve all of these puzzles in one week. Um, and I I am afraid of what Lamar Jackson might do against our defense. So I'm well, going they, with 27 17. Well, the defense certainly didn't show any improvement from the week before or last week, did they? No, I mean, like like we said. In our earlier segment, they they were able to adjust and somewhat stop the run, but only to the detriment of every other function on the field. Right. So you know, uh, I as much as I would love to see them win this game, um, I won't be surprised at all if the only scoring comes off of again Cade York. It wouldn't shock me. Yep. So so right now I'm going to be optimistic when I'm when I'm. What I'm leaning on is that I think that the offense is a little more capable of getting back on track than the defense is. But I also, you know, there's another group on the other side of the ball. Um, and I just, I don't know. I don't know that we can keep up. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with us, unfortunately, um, taking this one on the chin. So hopefully you and I will both be pleasantly surprised. We'll have a good yes. day on Sunday. Um, you know, I'm smarting right now as we're recording this, you know, the, the guardians, uh, unfortunately had to say adios to the baseball playoffs, a great year for that team. Great season. Um, great season. But, but unfortunately just not enough, not enough firepower to really be able to get, the, get over the finish line. So hopefully, you know, a lot of young guys got some play, um, but it was really great. You know, it, it could have been another one of those extremely horrible sports weekends in Ohio. And at least the guardians kept us smiling for a little while. So that was, that was good to see, but unfortunately they're done. 
Um, and we are going to have to focus on the Browns and what's going on. So, all right, man, let's shake it off a little bit. You right. and I both had pessimism, but we gotta we we gotta show some love to the Browns. So um realism, let's, realism. Let's uh let's uh <laughs> close this one out. Um thanks to everybody who's listening. Thanks for taking your time. Um for sure. I know you're hurting out there just like us. Let's let's hope for the best. Um for everyone, for Chris, for everybody who helps us with the podcast. Um, have a great week, everybody. Hopefully. Um, we come back and we debrief this game with a lot of smiles. Um, but in the meantime, I want to send everybody out. Let's let's get a big one here. Let's go, go Browns! Browns! <laughs>